Hi there, my name's Willie Russo and you're listening to Interview with an Artist, the weekly show where we speak with a range of art world players. Before I get into this week's show, I want to let you know this is the second last episode for season three. I'm going to take some time off over summer and we'll be back in 2022 with season four. I'm already in the planning stages and have some great guests for you. Thank you so much for tuning in each week. (laughs) I hope you've enjoyed the conversations as much as I've loved bringing them to you. Also, in 2022, I will be starting a monthly newsletter for artists called Mentor Musings. It will have things that I've been noticing from mentoring sessions, tips and tricks from the mentoring community, and also upcoming prizes that I think could be of interest. If you would like to receive it, please head on over to the mentoring page of my website, www.wilhelminarusso.com and sign up. This is also the best way to be notified when mentoring opens up again in 2022. Okay, enough of the admin. Let's get into this week's guest because you are going to love him. Adelaide-based artist Tom Kokenmeister understands the importance of putting yourself out there. He learned his craft working as an apprentice of sorts as a studio assistant for the artist Lucy Bonham. A move to Sydney, a hungover meeting with Rex Irwin, and years of continually doing the work. And today, Tom is now with Martin Brown Contemporary in Sydney. In today's episode of Interview with an Artist, Tom and I talk about the importance of mentors and artist friendships. We talk about how his vision for his future helped him determine what opportunities to say yes to and which ones to say no to, and how he found himself moving from painting to ceramic sculpture with surprising success. You can see Tom's work over on Instagram at Tom Kirkenmeister, and I'll link it in the show notes for you to click through there. Enjoy meeting the delightful Tom Kirkenmeister. Tom Kokenmeister, thank you so much for joining us on Interview with an Artist. Firstly, I love your name. My maiden name was Falkenhagen. So whenever I come across someone with an amazing name, I'm always like name envy. Falkenhagen, that, that's a good one. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> thank and, you for having me. Yeah. Oh my God, my pleasure. Give us a little bit of history on the name just so people can orient it. So it's a Dutch name. My dad's Dutch. Um, his family migrated here sort of like in the 50s, but then they were back and forward. So dad actually was the first one born here, then went back to Holland and then was sent back here to boarding school from the age of seven. So everyone in my family on that side is Dutch, but my mum's side is English Aussie. Yeah, right. Okay. Your dad went to boarding school at seven halfway around the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I forgive him when he's a bit, you know, funny or <laughs> I like, look, he had it tough. <laughs> I get that you didn't get a lot of the childhood that I'm getting, so yeah, <laughs> I'm totally. giving you some graces. 100%. Um, you're Adelaide-based, but you have quite a strong representation up here in Sydney as mm-hmm. well. You didn't come to art through the traditional go out, study, uh, then launch into the art world. Tell us a little bit about how you found yourself painting. Growing up, one of my best friends was a few years older than me, Lucy Bonin, and she was an artist. So when I left high school, I was a studio hand in her studio and she paid me like 20 bucks an hour cash to like, you know, clean brushes, stretch canvases and just, you know, run errands and do things for her. Um, So that was sort of my first introduction. And what happened? Then I sort of spent a bit of time traveling and went overseas for a few years 
and worked in an art gallery in London. And then I decided that, you know, I really wanted to be an artist. And I came back to Australia probably when I was 24 or five, no, 25. And I kind of was like, oh God, do I do another undergraduate and start again? Or do I hit the ground running and just start hustling? And I went back to work for Lucy for a bit, was her studio hand again. And then after about a six month period, I had a little exhibition by myself and just, you know, had a little bit of local media interest. And I got a grant to come to Sydney for professional development for a residency. And yeah, I just sort of started making it happen. And all the time I was studying art history, sort of postgraduate. Okay. So I sort of, yeah, I didn't go the traditional bachelors of visual art, which I think is really valuable to a lot of people, but um, it's not the only way. Yeah, right. There's two things on what you've said there. I mean, I love the idea and the art wank ladies and I actually, we've spoken about this before of that apprenticeship almost that you get in those studio hand jobs. And actually there's a lot of value to be had mm. in that. And I feel like there could be more of that in the art world. Definitely. And I think seeing someone make it happen for me, being an artist was something I you know, was good at as a child and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do it, but you don't see many real life experiences of it working out. So having seeing that in the flesh on a daily basis was, you know, really inspirational. Yeah. And what did you start out painting? Like, how did you know what to paint? Very traditional. Like, I come from a pretty conservative background in Adelaide. So I was doing still lifes and portraiture. And yeah, I love, I still love still life and portraiture, but I've branched out since. But it's a great way to sort of understand the fundamentals of painting. And, you know, you, you can make a still life out of anything in your domestic environment. And, you know, portraits, I guess, it's harder to find a sitter. But if you do find one, they're extremely challenging they're probably the hardest thing to paint but um yeah very rewarding as well in 2014 you were in the royal australian society of arts youth art show yeah can you remember what you painted for that a still life it was a bowl of red like ruby red grapefruit and it was i think my first ever oil painting ah that's really cool <laughs> i think i was doing acrylic prior to that and i thought oh well you know i'll branch out here go buy some oils and yeah that was it what did your family say when you were like, I'm going to do this art thing? Well, my family loved me quite dearly. So they really didn't want me to do it. <laughs> they, they wanted me to get a nine to five job and have some stability. <laughs> oh my God. I love that so much. My family loved me so dearly. They didn't want me to do it. <laughs> yeah. I think they were probably a bit more wise to how difficult it would be. Whereas I was very optimistic and, you know, gung ho. Yeah. It's funny, I've often heard people, um, people who, like um, Heston Blumenthal, I heard him say once, you know, if I'd have known how difficult it was going to be starting, I can't remember whichever restaurant he was starting, but he was like, if I'd have known how difficult that path was going to be, I would probably never have done it. So mm. I feel like they're in this naivety, ignorance kind of intersection. It's actually a little bit of a beautiful spot that if you can push through, there can be something amazing on the other side. A hundred percent. And, you know, having, you know, staying focused and sticking with it is so difficult for the first three, four, five years. Um, when you see your peers around you getting their jobs and, you know, progressing in their career and you know I'm an accountant at EY and then I'm a senior accountant at yeah. EY <laughs> having a pay rise every six months or a year and you're like oh I made 
you know, a thousand dollars more than last year. <laughs> so what kept you going then? Um, I just love it. Like I've got such a passion for it. And when I came to Sydney, I was very fortunate. I had some really amazing mentors who took me under their wing and supported me through, um, supported me and sort of encouraged me to keep going. And I think all through my career, that's what's kept me in it is the encouragement of other artists as well. And, um, yeah, my mentors. So yeah. mm. tell us a little bit about those mentors, if you're comfortable talking about them, yeah. like who they were and the kind of support they provided. Oh, it was a pretty funny story actually. So I was, I think 26 when I moved to Sydney and I knew almost no one. I had one family friend and I was living in a share house with people I didn't know. And we were partying a lot and going out a lot as you do when you first move to Sydney. And I think I'd got to bed at maybe 4am and I had a meeting the next morning with Rex Irwin at Olsen Irwin. And I like rocked up at, I think, 10am, you know, I must have stunk of booze. I was going to say, did you stink? You would have stunk. It's the kind of thing you can't shower away. <laughs> you cannot shower away that much partying. No. Um, and he sort of laughed at me and rightly so. And um, we chatted for ended up I ended up staying there for like two hours just talking and he took me under his wing and he sort of um taught me a lot about the landscape of the art world and what to expect and what I would have to do and he was in his words a realist and in my mind it sounded like a pessimist but yeah he kind of taught me some you know it was a bit of tough love but it really prepared me for what I would need to do. And so then from there, so you move to Sydney, you are painting, you're creating, like, where's the point where you're like, okay, I'm, I can actually make this as a career. Oh, maybe a year ago. <laughs> no, um, I think it, it did seem possible. Like it was happening. Like I was selling work, but I wasn't exhibiting the way I am now. I was sort of doing Aries and kind of commissions and bits and bobs and approached with a lot of, you know, approached uh, for opportunities quite often, but they were just not the opportunities that I, were, I wanted. And I was very selective about what to do because I had a, a big vision in mind, basically. I love that you've just said, you know, you were doing the ARIES, which is the artist-run initiatives, right? And I feel like sometimes people or artists are like, oh, I don't want to have to do the artist-run initiative, but they actually then they play a role, right, mm. in in the landscape. And then secondly being selective about opportunities because I think when you are emerging or starting out there can be this impetus to just say yes and grab anything that comes along so how did you know what opportunities to say no to how did you know they didn't fit with your grand scheme you know I would do a lot of research like I would look at the people involved the people who had previously taken those opportunities I would ask my friends and peers what they thought and then I would just try to use your intuition to see if, you know, sometimes you can turn a not so good opportunity into something really great, but you know that it's going to take a lot of extra work on your part to get it to be what you want it to be. And then you think, well, I'm working three jobs right now. Can I, do I have the time to do that? And there'll be times where you do have that extra time and times where you don't. So it's just a lot of planning. Planning and research, mm. um, investing that time up front in assessing it before you launch in yes you paint and you also sculpt and you do these really amazing sculptures in terms of these little kind of characters they're not people but they're kind of people <laughs> how did you start sculpting like how did you start working in ceramics and sculpting 
so I met an artist in Sydney, uh, Ramesh, at uh, Rosalind Oxley at an opening. And we became friends and he kind of encouraged me to just give it a go. And then I think we were both a bit surprised how quickly I took to it and how like it just, it just was my medium. It really started with, you know, and I didn't expect it either. Um, and since then, another um, amazing artist, uh, Vipu uh, Srivilasa, has reached out to me. And we've now, when I moved to Melbourne a couple of years ago, we became uh, really good friends. And yeah, he's someone who I can sort of call on for any sort of questions. I basically just bought a bunch of clay and started doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us that feeling of like moving from, you know, 2D to 3D. What was that stimulating for you? It was actually advice that Rex gave me because um, there are so many painters and there are so many artists. And one thing you have to do as an artist is to find your voice and find your language. And he used to be, you know, harsh on me like, Tom, you haven't found your voice yet, you know. And I was like, all right, like, give me a bit of time. Thanks, Rex. <laughs> give me some time. <laughs> um, and I thought when I was exploring uh, sculpture, I was sort of like, well, I do paint. I love painting. I still love painting. But I want to paint something really unique that no one's seen before. And then there's no way that cannot be my voice if I'm making something from my imagination, from my intuition. So when I do make my sculptures, I don't use a lot of reference images. I go in with a very loose idea of what I want to make, whether it be a figure that's more human or more animal or that's, you know, I just basically decide the type of clay I want to use because I might know the effects or how, you know, does that lend better to different sizes of hand building? And I go in really loose and then it comes out with something, you know, unique. And then I can use that as the subject of my painting. And in that way, my painting is my voice because it's got something original built into it. I saw your show at Jericho. Was that this year or last year? That was this year. This, this that, was, that was May. Yeah, that was May. It feels. Does it feel like a lifetime ago for you? Yeah, a lot's happened between now and then, and it does feel like a lifetime ago. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and you you know you had your beautiful paintings, and then that were, um, I'm going to say like landscape, but figurative in that they were these little yeah characters. I used the the subjects of the paintings are my figures, and then they're sort of like you know, placed in imagined landscapes and scenarios that sort of is meant to add a bit of narrative to the painting with the way they interact. Yeah. I wonder, was there a lot of experimentation when you were starting out in the clay? Like, were there were some where you just like, or oh, ceramic, sorry, were you like, okay, this one doesn't see the light of day. This one does. Look, this is the God's honest truth. Everything in that Jericho show were the first seven ceramics I ever made. There was, those were the prototypes basically. So... And they were so well received. Yeah, amazing. They all sold at the at the preview and the opening, and I was I was blown away. I was going to say, really. were you blown away by that? Yeah, that nothing like that's happened to me before, so I was <laughs> blown away. <laughs> and okay, since then, like you've been picked up by Martin Brown, or you've got some showings with Martin Brown. Yeah. Then, like a month later, I was talking to Martin and had a meeting with him in June. And did you then- arrive sober? I was dead sober. I was oh much more professional Tom, this time. Oh, my God, you've grown up. I've grown up. Four <laughs> years later. It's all Rex up. would be so proud. <laughs> yeah, I told him. I emailed him about it, and he was very happy. He said, Martin's a, a really honest and hardworking gallery with great taste, and I should just be very proud of myself. Okay, so Martin, you were having a conversation with Martin. Did you reach out to him, or did he reach out to you? So it when a I, little bit of both. When Art Incubator um, announced me as their grant recipient, um, Teresa Byte at Art Incubator, um, who was, in, you know, instrumental in making this year so amazing for me. 
then he followed me on his personal account. And then I, I was actually driving back from, so I was living in Melbourne at the time and I was driving back to Adelaide, I think it was the beginning of June. And I just had this brainwave because I'd, I'd messaged him saying, hey, um, you know, I've got my art incubator show coming up. Would you like to come and see it? I'll be around all week because I was in Sydney all week in case, you know, I was reaching out to a lot of people because I had free time here to promote it. Yeah. And he said he would um, love to see it. He he was in Perth and he would um, see it when he returned from Perth. And I left it at that. But when I was driving back to Adelaide from Melbourne, it's a very long drive. I had a brainwave and I was like, oh, you know, it's weird that he's like gone to see it. And he even messaged me how much he loved it. And he wanted to buy a few works, but they were sold already. So then I just, I pulled over and I texted him back saying, oh, well, if you loved it so much, um, would you be interested in working together? <laughs> Tom, I love it. Well, You're like, like, I'm somewhere on the Nullarbor, please answer quickly. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. Like, I was, I thought, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. In the same way that I, I rocked up to Rex's, just sort of like, here I am, like, do you, you know, you got, you've got to put yourself out there a bit as an artist and especially someone who didn't go through art school and, you know, didn't have the traditional sort of avenues that present themselves through that. There are a lot of opportunities and exhibitions at the grad, you know, graduate exhibitions and there are certain fellowships that are available um, only to artists who graduated in certain universities and none of that was available to me. So I've had to make you've it work. Really, yeah. And it's, you know, the art business I feel is really relational. And so it, coming to Sydney, like you said, you didn't know anyone. You had like the one family friend hmm. you're living in a share house. If you hadn't been putting yourself out there, then who knows what would have happened, right? If you if you mm. kind of hadn't been pushing that. Tell us a little bit about the Art Incubator Grant and what that was and how it helped. Yeah, so that was another pivotal moment uh, for me at the middle of 2020. I was in Sydney, up from Melbourne, just before the big bad lockdown. And um, I met Teresa and Andre at the, um, the Art Incubator founders at the Art Gallery of New South Wales members. And we just sat and chatted for a couple of hours. And they expressed to me that all their previous grant recipients had been from New South Wales and been, um, you know, Sydney siders because the the recipient receives a solo show at a Sydney gallery. And I was based in Melbourne and they weren't sure how to make it work because they have patrons who would like to come and meet the artist and do, you know, studio visits and whatnot. And how would we do that, especially in a COVID environment um, where borders are closing all the time? And I, so we sort of left it at that and, but we, you know, enjoyed each other's company and we got along really well. And I think they understood me. So yeah, then like the next day she called me and she said, Tom, we've just decided we're going to make you the recipient. We'll, we'll figure it out. Don't worry. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, it was so, it was, that was really amazing. That sort of vote of confidence from them gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah. And so with that, you got a solo show here at um, Jericho in yep. Woolloomooloo. Correct. Yeah. Nice. And so, okay, looking forward now, what's on the cards with you and Martin Brown? So, yeah. So I moved back to Adelaide. So I've been everywhere this year. I've been in Sydney, <laughs> Melbourne, Adelaide. Just came back from Brisbane. Somehow, despite you, borders, I'm getting I was around. going to say, you are like the magician of the travel world because you are like hopping around the country when, <laughs> when no one else can. Honestly, I've got... Google alerts on my phone for water closures. <laughs> um, so I, when I went back to Adelaide, something really great happened. Um, I met uh, Brian 
well, I spoke to Brian at the Jam Factory, who's the CEO, Brian Parks, and he introduced me via email to Stephanie at the uh, ceramics school there or the ceramics workshop. And I went in to meet her and that she offered me, because of Closed Borders, the first time a Closed Border has worked in my favor, their artisan residence program wasn't able to be fulfilled this year and next year. So they offered me their artisan residency spot. So now I've got that, a studio at the Jam Factory in Adelaide for the next year until November, um, a government subsidized studio. So I'll be staying there doing that and making work for Martin. So I've got my solo with Martin, June, 2022. And yeah. I've got a, a group show that I'm in right now. For Martin Brown, are you going to be doing just sculpture and some painting? It'll be sculptures and painting, the same format as the Jericho show, where I'll have, I'll have, I'll have to have bigger sculptures. So there'll be a few ones, maybe two or three times the size, and a few smaller ones as well, the same as the Jericho show, and some paintings. I, I don't know how many. <laughs> I think maybe four or five paintings and eight or nine sculptures. I've got a yeah. lot of time, and I've. I've started making work for it already, and I think this will be. I'll, I've got a lot more time between than I did have for the Jericho show, so I'm gonna go big. Nice. I look forward to seeing it. You've been in a few prizes, like which is awesome. How do you see prizes in your career? Um, I still enter. I haven't entered prizes this year, really. Oh, although I've entered one just recently, a sculpture prize. Um, the Tom Bass, well, fingers crossed you can edit this out because I don't know yeah. if it gets in or not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I used to enter them as a way of feeling connected to the art world when I was still in an RE sort of situation I felt on the outside. And it's, you know, a great way for, you know, recognition and for people to see. Australia loves prizes. Like, there's something about, like, the winning aspect or the competition. Australia's got a much larger prize culture than I think any other country and maybe that's to do with how you know we have less of a culture of uh, philanthropy towards artists and it seems that this is one way artists can maybe win some money I love prizes that have categories like you get a highly commended or you know a people's choice and a first or so there's more than one opportunity to win with regards to your kind of art friends and art community, have you got any other artist friends who you lean on for advice or you kind of call up and be like, oh, my God, this has happened to me. How do I deal with it? Definitely. Um, Nassim Nas, who you interviewed previously. Oh, yes, she's yeah, so she, wonderful. Oh, I love her. She's been um, amazing. She introduced me to Teresa and Andre at Art Incubator. And, yeah, we, we talk a lot and she's very very thoughtful and you know very caring friend you guys have done the because she was adelaide based and now she kind of flits between melbourne and sydney that's her mm. two bases so you guys have kind of done the similar geographical <laughs> well we didn't we we were in contact when we were both in sydney but we never met and then um, when we moved to melbourne at the same time we did meet but it wasn't until just before lockdown so then during lockdown we would do our isolation sanity walks together once a week for to you know keep ourselves you know sane, sane. And, yeah and healthy as well you know it's yeah. very easy to stay home and just do nothing so easy oh my god so easy all right do you remember the first piece you sold I think it was a work on paper and it was at that solo I talked about that I was that I just had slapped together myself and rented a, a space in an Ari and you know invited anyone that would come and yeah, it was a work on paper of a perfume bottle that said, I'm so Francie on it. <laughs> I love that. 
Very uh, irreverent. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do to get out of a creative funk? Um, right now, what's really working for me, which it's because I've got so much, so many deadlines right now, I'll switch between painting and sculpture because it takes up a different part of my brain. So when I'm exhausted with sculpture, I'll go paint or when I'm exhausted with painting, I'll go sculpture. And if all else fails, I'll go for a big, long jog and yeah, clear my head. Who's your biggest fan? That's hard to answer because I don't like the word fan. Like, I don't know. Oh, okay. So who's your biggest cheerleader? Like who's your, who's your biggest supporter that you is just unwaveringly like, Tom, you are fabulous. I think people like Teresa Beat from an art incubator or Nassim Nas and my friend Vipu uh, Srivilasa. So other artists as well who yeah, understand what I'm going through. Yeah. How do you deal with your inner critic? My inner critic used to be so loud <laughs> and he's quietened down recently. So I don't know. I've done, I don't know how I've dealt with him, but he's going away, which is good. Maybe he's just tired. He's like, no matter how much I yell at this guy, he just keeps on doing his thing. <laughs> totally. I hope that's it. Maybe it's, I, I feel like exercise and you know meditation and time in nature, it's whenever these problems arise, that's what I do. If you could work with any other artist, dead or alive, in their studio for one day, who would it be? Oh, in their studio? Yeah, um, with them for the day. To learn from them, maybe? Yeah, or just hang out, shoot the breeze. Like. Well, my all-time favourite would be Francesco Goya. Francisco Goya. Um, however, he might be kind of grim to spend a whole day with. <laughs> so I'll do the morning with Francesco and then... <laughs> I don't know. I love this artist, Katja Sieb, who's a German painter based in LA. And yeah. I, I just, I think she's the best or one of the best painters alive right now. So maybe that would be, maybe that would be who I pick. Yeah. Nice. What's the one thing in your studio you can't go without? Oh, something, I feel like saying something boring, like my easel or my laptop, but um, something about, yeah. I don't know. Music? I need music on. Yeah. Okay. Are you like heavy metal? Are we Mariah Carey? Are we <laughs> classics? Somewhere between the two. No. Uh, I get friends to send me their playlists and sort of just trial things. And like right now it's a bit lame, but I'm listening to the Adele album. But uh, I, I have an amazing playlist on Spotify. Please send me. Please send it's me. It's two hours worth of music. I also have another amazing playlist that I got from a man on Lord Howe Island who had this like dinner playlist of six hours of just the most delicious music you've ever heard. I'll send that to you. Send as them well. all. Send them all. Because <laughs> it's either podcasts or it's always on Spotify. Like I listen to podcasts. I've listened to your podcast and I listen to just music, podcasts, anything. I need because I'm you're alone in the studio often and you need I need to feel like something's happening. Yeah, yeah, that kind of sense of community in the isolation. Totally, yeah. Uh, what was your last art store splurge? Oh, last splurge. I think I spent like $450 on oil paints because I, I went through all my old ones because you, you hang on to them for so long because they're expensive and often you buy them when you're uh, – some of these I've had since I was you know 26 and I thought these just aren't any good. And I want all nice new stuff and paint brushes. I go through so quickly, no matter how well I take care of them. I've done everything like gotten beeswax to like cure them and like so gentle when I like clean them and it just doesn't work. So you're I just, just a 
you're a beast with your brushes, Tom. <laughs> I, I think a lot of artists or painters will will understand. Like it's really hard to, and you spend so much on them, and then you just have to replace them. So yeah, four hundred fifty dollars on brushes and and oils, yeah, oil paints. Yeah. Last question: Was there anything you wish you'd known before you'd got into the art scene? So much. Where to start? Um, <laughs> I guess hard work pays off and it's going to be so much more work than you thought as much as you spend time you know in the studio and making amazing work you need a community around you to promote you you need peers you need people to you know support you and get you out there and it's almost like you're adrift in the ocean and there are so many artists and you know people don't care about art as much as they do many other things like sports or you know Hollywood and just you've got the sooner you accept that the better oh my god I love that I know particularly in Australia right like we I think it's growing I think people's appreciation for art but yeah sport and Hollywood you've nailed it there (laughs) Tom thank you so much for joining us on interview as an artist it has been absolutely fabulous talking to you and I'm so excited to see your large sculptural works next year at Martin Brown Amazing. Thank you for having me, Willie.